0: Hey Mike, I've got a huge game to talk to you about this week, and it has taken about 200 hours of my life, and it was all worth it. It's Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild.
1: I'm so nervous to talk about this game. Are you really? Yeah, I find it really daunting to even attempt to try and give an accurate assessment of how I feel about Breath of the Wild. Like I've I've been thinking about it a lot and I feel like no matter what I say in this episode, I'm not going to do a good enough job of accurately summing up and representing this game. I think purely because of its size.
0: I always have those moments where I'm like, oh, I should have mentioned this or I should have mentioned that. So it, it always happens regardless of how big the game is. But you're right, this is just an absolute giant monster of a game.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess the the biggest problem for me, though, is what I hinted to on our last episode, that I consider Breath of the Wild to be my favorite game of all time. Like, how do you do that justice? Like, how do you do justice to talking about your favorite game ever? And I think where this is so weird for me is I don't even have a nostalgia for The Legend of Zelda.
0: See, that, that's crazy to me that you can, I mean, this is such a good game. It can stand on its own. You don't need to have played all the other games. I mean, most of the time they're so different anyway, in terms of the plot and whatnot. But that surprises me that you love it this much. And it could be your favorite game without having
1: any like Zelda roots. Like I have played uh, Link Between Worlds and some of Majora's Mask and that's it. Like, I'd never really played much Zelda. I'm not really sure why. Like, I don't love RPGs, but I like them more than enough. Like, Pokemon, the Pokemon series is, like, my favorite video game series of all time. And that is, like, Mm -hmm. pure RPG through and through, right? But Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, Zelda just never grabbed me. But I think that Breath of the Wild was this kind of this mix of the perfect circumstances, Like, the Nintendo Switch and Breath of the Wild together was just this perfect mix of things. But before I explain that a little bit more, I know that you have much more affinity for Zelda than I do. Oh, yeah. Just in general, like, across your video game history.
0: Oh, of course. I mean, Zelda was kind of, like, the beginnings of my video game world. Like, it is... I mean, I played... A whole but I mean I played all the beginning ones the NES version the N- the SNES version Ocarina of Time Majora's Mask Wind Waker um, I only stopped because I became kind of a you know a college student and an adult and a mother and like, I did all mm-hmm. these other life things in between where I wasn't playing a lot of games but throughout my childhood. Zelda was like the game. It's the game I played with my grandma, who was awesome at playing games, and she always loved Zelda and played it all the time. And so we would always call her up and be like, "Grandma, how do you do this part?" And she's like, "Oh, you got to get the Deku Stick, and you got to light it on fire, and you got to light this." And then like she she knew all the stuff because she'd get the Nintendo magazines, and we wouldn't. And then we'd call her up. So it was like I have all this family history with it and it was just a very beloved game in mm-hmm. my life and the whole I mean I even my son went as Link for Halloween like <laughs> a year ago and he still has the costume and still asks to put it on because he loves it so much because I played it with him when he was really young because it was like a really easy thing to like play through especially like the NES version you know we did it yeah. right we went in the right order and everything and so the it's like It's in my soul, (laughs) but I didn't play through all of them. So I'm not the type of person that has gone through every single one of the Zelda games. But I do have to say that I think this one, oh, it's real. I I really, really loved um, the SNES, the Zelda Link to the Past. I loved that game because it looks so different than anything else. It looked incredible. I think that I just have like a lot of strong personal history attachment to Super Nintendo games because that's when things started to look amazing to me. And I was at that age where everything was just like, whoa, look at the graphics. It's so much fun. It feels so like I'm actually playing a cartoon and it's amazing. But this game, it is so much more. It's there's so much life to it. There's so much breath to it that it it <laughs> is amazing. And so, yeah, this might be my favorite Zelda because I, I probably, you know, the Super Nintendo one, you play through and it's over. Yep. This you can just keep on going, and it fell out of my my daily rotation for a while. And then we decided to talk about it, and I've been playing it again, and I can't stop. I'm on. Um, it grabbed me again, and I already played through it. And yeah, so this might be my favorite Zelda game too. I don't know if I'd say it was my favorite of all time, but it's. I think it's my favorite Zelda. Oh, I don't know. I feel bad for betraying my <laughs> link to the past. But it's yeah, it's it's up there.
1: Before this game came out, Nintendo had been teasing it for some time, and they were teasing it as a Wii U game, right? Like it came out on the Wii U, but that was they were saying this is our upcoming Zelda game on the Wii U. And when they started talking about the open world and stuff, I basically didn't believe them. Like I thought that they that they were wrong. I didn't think that the, I I believed that they were overhyping what this game could be because mm-hmm. I just did not believe that the Nintendo that had the Wii U available in all of the trouble that they were in could produce a game of this magnitude. And then it kept getting delayed. Like it was delayed multiple times and it was you know, becoming what I felt clearer and clearer to me that Nintendo didn't have the ability to pull this game off. But what they had clearly decided to do was to keep working on the game because they were going to make it the Switch launch title, right? Because we didn't know that the Switch was even, we didn't even know there was going to be a console. Nintendo hadn't really announced that they were going to be actually making a console when they were talking about the fact that this game was being made. And then as things were moving along, they then announced that they would have a new System, they were going to show it off, and it became clearer that this game was going to launch on what was being called the NX at the time, right? Which was Mm -hmm. ended up becoming the Switch. And I'm still surprised to this day that it ever came out on the Wii U. I thought that by the end that that was just smoke and mirrors, right? That they were working on a game, but it was never intended for the Wii U. But it is the same game is available on the Wii U, which is always a surprise to me. But when it came out, right? Like the other thing about Breath of the Wild is it was the game for the Switch, Mm -hmm. right? There are a couple of other titles that came out. They had a party game and there were some downloadable games and stuff. But if you bought a Switch on day one, you bought Breath of the Wild because that was what you had to play. And at the time, it was considered that that was a, a bad move from Nintendo. They were being lambasted for not having enough games to launch with the system. But frankly, they didn't need any more Mm -hmm. this was all that was needed because it is objectively one of the greatest video games ever made but it's also my favorite and the i the the fact that you had this incredible huge like uh, incomprehensibly sized world available to you on a console that you could take anywhere it's like you're carrying this living breathing world in the palm of your hands like it, it this game with the Switch can offer more than anything. You know, like the, the the Switch is my favorite console of all time because it finally gave me what I always wanted from when I was a kid, which was mm-hmm. the same console at home and on the go. And giving me Breath of the Wild as that game to be able to sit on a plane and play Breath of the Wild is like a, it was like a dream situation.
0: And it's so crazy. Uh, the, uh, this past weekend was the first time I really played Breath of the Wild on the go with the Switch. And I was astounded with how fine I was with it because it's such a big game and you want to see it on the on your big TV screen and play it with all those beautiful graphics and the light and the, everything that it has to it. But, and then like the idea of Making it so tiny and playing it right in front of you, it's like, oh, is that taking away from it? Is it, you know, stealing the beauty away because you can't really see it all? But it was fine. It was, it was just as great playing it handheld as it was on the big. You know, what a big screen is obviously a whole different thing, but it, I got lost in the game in the same way I would if I were playing it on my television, and that felt kind of amazing to me that this giant game can be condensed onto this little screen and you don't feel like you've lost any of the greatness
1: of it what you lose in like detail and atmosphere you gain in the fact that you're playing it wherever you are Mm -hmm. right like that convenience can trump some of what you what you lose i think in some places
0: But my brain just like
1: recalibrated. It's like, Mm -hmm.
0: okay, here we are now. Like, and this is it. We're doing all these little puzzles on this little screen. But I didn't really, I was, my mind was still in this giant world. And I kind of forgot the screen size that I was playing on, essentially, because the game just sucks you in. It really does.
1: (laughs) Just hold it close enough to your face and it's it's not even a problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But I wanted to talk. So the idea that this is a giant open world. And it's essentially a sandbox mixed with, you know, a campaign. But a lot of the other Zelda games, you kind of have that where you can just go anywhere. Also, I think that's just it's just kind of um, a characteristic of these games. Like even the very first Legend of Zelda from the NES, it was you could walk anywhere around the world and essentially do anything you wanted at any time. Uh, as long as you know you had the abilities and the enough hearts or enough strength or whatever like you could run into castle 10 if you found it and you could do it and you just like go you know you would die instantly but that kind of idea has carried out through other zelda games so why did you feel that this particular open worldness of this game was particularly special i feel like in as As the games developed, they got larger and larger and larger and the boundaries got pushed out more and more and more. I mean, even in um, Ocarina of Time, you could kind of ride your horse all over the place. So what felt different from those? I mean, I guess you didn't play them,
1: so I don't know. Well, yeah, one, I didn't really play them, but I think one of the things that sounds kind of different. So if I compare it, let me start by comparing it to my experience with other open world games. Because I tend to like open world games, you know, like the Grand Theft Auto series and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Those games block off part of the world until you've gotten to the part of the story where you're able to go into it, right? Mm -hmm. So you're in like one part of the city and then the bridge is broken, so you can't go over the bridge to the other part of the city. And that is them just like putting up a barrier for you, right? Where Breath of the Wild has no barriers. So it's like you mentioned, You know, maybe you could do this in other games too, but you can start that game and run right into Hyrule Castle. Federico, our friend Federico, actually did this very (laughs) early on in the game. He ran in and picked up a really powerful shield and just ran back out again. And it helped him through much of the early part of the game. He just had to be very nimble and teleport out at the right moment. Mm -hmm. So that is a thing that you can do. It's dangerous, but you can do it. (laughs) But I think what makes breath of the wild so different in my mind is it's combined with the the graphics ability and then the open worldness so like for example you can stand on any high thing you know like a mountain or a hill and you can see far around and then you can look to a place and just go there mhm and you know like in in games that don't have the graphical fidelity you can't see all of what's in front of you yeah. right because You're not in that viewpoint, like you're not in, you you cannot see from the character's eyes.
0: You can't, yeah, you can't get yourself to a high ground and then scan around. All you have is a map Mm -hmm. on like a a screen.
1: Yeah. You can also, you know, I think one of the things that makes this game so incredible compared to basically every other open world game that I've ever played is climbing. Mm -hmm. There are so many games where it's like, okay, like I'm in this world, but I can't really go up the top of that mountain that's in front of me. So they make it that I try and get up there and I just fall down. Mm-hmm. That is not true of this game. Yes. <laughs> you can scale everything. Did you see the playthrough with no
0: climbing? <laughs> oh my God. No, I haven't seen that. How is that possible? Oh my gosh. You have the first obstacle that they get to. Come, okay,
1: so we're gonna have giant spoilers in this episode we we know yeah. that right going off the bat yeah i mean and we'll talk about the story later but i really i mean i understand i really don't think there's much to spoil in this game but but yes like we're going to be talking about the whole game so
0: okay just checking uh so right when you're watching this video of this person's playthrough with no climbing they can't get out of the resurrection shrine at all at first like that's because you have to climb out. That's <laughs> yeah,
1: like because it's teaching you
0: climbing. Yeah, the first thing you do in the game, and so they construct this giant tower out of all the stuff that they find in there, and and eventually get out. But it's so long that he speeds it up, so you don't have to watch how long it actually took him to climb out. And he was like, "Okay, first obstacle done." <laughs> so I suggest going. Oof. I have to find it and send it to you because I it's need to see that. It's quite amazing that this was attempted at all. Because so much of this game is climbing. Like, you can't get to a lot of parts without climbing.
1: And I love that it is that way, you know? And again, it's not easy, right? Like, you need stamina. You can Mm -hmm. get higher if you want to go slower, right? But you can jump up and lose stamina. But if you plan your climbs correctly, you know, there are ledges. Like, it's all... The thing, the thing that boggles my mind about this game is, is again, like compared to other games, it feels like there was an artist's hand in every millimeter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Everything feels like it was put there specifically and purposefully. And Super Mario Odyssey is like this as well. You know, like we spoke about it, where they would. Um, put coins in places that seem like you shouldn't have gotten there as kind of like a wink to the fact that we know you're going to try and break this game, but we already <laughs> yeah. put coins there because we know better than you, right? Uh-huh. Zelda feels like that and everything feels like it's has its place and every step that you take feels like somebody who made the game has already taken it. Mm-hmm. Like it things weren't just arranged in such a way or it's not like how... Like and I really love procedurally generated games because they're interesting and they're fun, but sometimes they break. Oh yeah! Because you walk into a thing and it just doesn't make sense anymore. Like you can't progress. You've got stuck. Zelda never felt like that to me. Like Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild never feels like that. It feels like somebody has considered the interaction that you will have with every millimeter of this huge, huge world. I also like how no matter what
0: stage you are in the game, you can kind of find or concoct a way to get through something that you really want to do. Just like Mm -hmm. you said, Federico, like, ran into the castle and grabbed the giant shield and, like, ran out, right? You can also um, cook a whole bunch of food and give yourself giant amounts of stamina before you've actually... Um, collected that much stamina to have naturally, you know, like Mm -hmm. through all of doing all the shrines and then getting the um, stamina wheel, or as my son calls it, the donut. (laughs) And Yeah, he's like, oh, how much donut did you get? (laughs) He's like, you're running out of donut (laughs) as he watches me play. And so it's like you can cook meals that then give you more stamina or concoct potions and you can do it way early in the game. So if you're like, look, I'm going to climb that giant mountain in front of me, and I'm probably not capable of doing it right now. You can find a way to make it possible whenever you wanted. And mm-hmm. I love that. I love those little things. That if you think through it, you can adjust it and change it and make it happen for you if you're clever enough. And that happens in the shrines too, because it's like every puzzle that you encounter, you can solve them in different ways. There's not like one way... Oh, to solve everything.
1: There are ways that I solved some of the Shrine puzzles that I knew were a little bit janky. Like, oh, I... It, yeah, It's a way you could do it. And again, like I believe that even the ways that you do them, they know it's a way you can do them, but it's not the way you're supposed to do it.
0: Well, yeah, I had some bomb arrows... <laughs> At one point, I just blew up a whole bunch of things. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm through. <laughs> well,
1: there's Suckers. a lot of times where like, you're meant to light a torch and take a torch. Well, I just used a fire arrow. And it's like, yeah. that is perfectly acceptable as a way to get through it, is, is the way that I believe. But it's about this idea of like, you just do it the way you want to. Right. And if you don't have the resources to
0: do it in an easy way, they're, are ma- they're making it able to do it a different way. There is the hard way. So when I first started playing <laughs> when I first started playing this game I didn't really realize what the towers did uh I knew that the first one you know you saw the map and then I thought that that was kind of like the map and then I thought if you ventured out there were like little dots throughout the map before you reveal it all and mm-hmm. I thought if you traveled to those dots, you'd find a way to like turn it on or do something. Because I didn't. I was like the cocky gamer <laughs> that didn't listen to the instructions at all. <laughs> and the old man's telling I you stuff on the plateau. You, old man. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> let me get to it. Come on. You're wasting yeah. Your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You fly, you jump, you, you, you swing a sword. I played this game before a game. Like, <laughs> it's fine. It's like, I, I'm not an amateur here. <laughs> So I'm running around the world in this naked map, can't find anything, and they are giving me pictures. I'm like, I don't know where any of this stuff is. How am I supposed to find this stuff? And I'm walking around, and I can't figure it out. And I'm, like, going to all of these points, but all they were were grid marks on the naked map. So it really wasn't a thing you were going to, because I'd show up, and I'm like, there's nothing here. There's nothing at this dot. Like, why do they have this dot?
1: It's merely just a marking on the map. So when you eventually open it up, right, then it makes sense. But before you have that map view available to you, it's pointless.
0: Yeah, so I wasn't climbing any of these towers because I'm like, it's so hard to get up there. And at first I thought it would shock me because of the color.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: so I was avoiding them
2: <laughs> completely. Because it's blue?
0: Because I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that That color looks dangerous. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> like, I'm just going to walk through the natural parts of the world because that's looking mighty intimidating. And I'm not going to be the stupid fool that goes and climbs it and, and dies two seconds into the game. So I avoided climbing all of the towers for a really long time. And then I think I was hanging out with John Syracuse or talking to him. And he was like, "How many towers have you gotten?" And, and I'm like, "I don't know, all of them." Like, he's like, "Whoa, you've gone through that fast!" So I'm like, "Wait, wait, are we talking?" We got conf- I, the language got so confused because I kept going, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." They're <laughs> all the tutorials, so I knew had no idea what anything was called, <laughs> and, and I eventually found out. I was like oh, I'm supposed to climb the towers and reveal the map and that's how we find things and then the shrines are different and... Okay, okay. Now I'm getting... (laughs) It took me a really long time to understand that. I was just running around doing whatever for hours. Hours. Because
1: these towers are like... They're like vantage points. When you get up Mm -hmm. to the top of them, you can see far around and then this data is plugged into your... Sheikah Slate, uh, yep. which was funny originally, it was like, oh, it's a Wii U. It's like, oh, no, wait, it's actually a Nintendo Switch, right? Like, that's, that's what it looks <laughs> like, it's clever. Um, and then you can unlock parts of the map. It is wild to me that you played this game without the map for so long. Yeah, it is really. Really, if anything, you validated a- your hardcore status, right? Because your See, hardcore status it. got you into this mess.
0: And this but, isn't the only game I've done something like this with. I did this with uh Half-Life Two. You know, the the poundy things that keep the ant lions
1: away. Nope. Y- have you, you played throughout ant- No. What? No, no. It's why it's on our list. We've had this conversation before, <sighs> which is why Half Life Two is on our games to play Duh. list. Okay, okay.
0: I'll back off. I'll back off. But
1: this <laughs> is I'll just I'll just say
0: that this isn't the first time I have played a game more difficultly than it was intended to play because i was
1: um a cocky jerk (laughs) let's put your hardcore gamer status to the test and i feel like this isn't going to go very well for me because we have a bit of a friendly competition every now and then on certain games and (laughs) what's quite fun is in the show document that we have together where we write down the things we want to talk about Mm. Every now and then it pops up and says stats. And I believe the person who puts the stats option in the document (laughs) is the person who believes they're going to win, which I did it with threes and flip-flop, because I was like, I've got this, no problem, right? And I crushed you in score and amount of games played. So I opened the document today and I see stats. So before we open the (laughs) loot box, let's run through stats. And we've got hours... So, how many hours played? How many Korok seeds collected? How many shrines completed? How many side quests completed? And then how much of the Trial of the Sword DLC have we gotten through? So, do you want me to say we could do them one by one? Do you want me to go first? Sure, you can go first. So then you get the moment of like slamming down my answer. Or you could hear my defeat. (laughs) So, yeah, go ahead. All right, so the Nintendo Switch uh, profile page...
0: Wait, so are we going... Is it better if we've played fewer hours or more hours?
1: I think more hours is better than fewer hours.
0: Really? Because fewer, it shows that you've... It, well, it depends on the other stats. I guess it all, they all correlate. I feel like
1: it's a badge of honor, though, right? To be like, oh, I played 7,000 hours in this game. Yeah, but
0: if it took you a really long time to do stuff that shouldn't have taken you a long time, that's embarrassing.
1: Hmm, maybe we can leave this up to the players to decide. <laughs>
0: that's true. <laughs> okay.
1: Now I will say the the uh, the play activity thing. I think it's total hours. I'm not sure if it resets at any point, but um, it tells me that I've played 150 hours of Breath of the Wild.
0: Oh, good. So if we're going with the more hours or better, mm. I've played
1: 215 hours. Whoa. Okay, that's a lot. Of I think hours.
0: it's because I've lost 50. I could I could throw 15 to the wind of me just walking around just walking the naked around world
1: aimlessly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yep corak seeds collected i have 95
0: i have 212 boy how many are there (laughs) 900
1: yeah see this is this is the thing when i found out there was 900 i stopped wanting to collect them
0: oh see i love collecting them because little dudes are so cute
1: if i walk past something that looks like it's going to be one i'll pick up the rock or whatever but Mm -hmm. i stopped trying to look for this stuff because i'm never going to take a dent into 900 well do you have the mask No, because I don't want to collect the seeds. See, but the
0: mask is part of the DLC.
1: I know. So like I could go get it if I wanted to or Mm -hmm. do whatever it is the psychos you have to do to get the Korok seed mask so you can collect the seeds. But I believe even with, because this mask, it gives you some kind of visual indication that a Korok seed is nearby or something.
0: Yeah, it like jingles and lights up. But and I you have like a little pinwheel and it spins on your head. It's really funny.
1: But I still <laughs> no. don't want to collect 900 of them. If <laughs> but I'm was walking around wearing this
0: stupid mask to find these seeds. So I, I feel like everyone's like slightly making fun of me in the in the world.
1: I think that's like, probably weird, the intention, dude. Like walking around in this See, crazy 900. Bed. I'm not interested in 900. It's too many. It's way too many. Like no, I'm it, really I'm very okay. interested. If I was a collector of stuff in mm-hmm. video games. 900 things to collect in this specific video game. It's perfect, right? Because the map's so large, you can explore every inch of it. But I like to explore every inch of it in my own way, which I'm going to talk about later on when we talk about Mm -hmm. the whole DLC in in more detail. But Yeah. yeah, I'm just not interested in collecting 900 seeds. All right, shrines. So how many shrines completed? I have completed 92 shrines.
0: I have 105 shrines with one pending because I found it, but I didn't finish it yet.
1: All right. Well, then I have 93. I have one pending too. This was the only one that I I thought I had a chance of beating you in was the shrines. (sighs) Because all of the other stuff is just the way that we play games differently. Yeah, You are much more of a completionist than me. And I figured that maybe I would have done more shrines because it's the only real one that I pay attention to like if i'm exploring <laughs> and the the ra- the radar starts going off i will go and do that right yeah
0: i mean it's pretty close 95 and 106 is, is
1: well this is why right because this is the one i've actually put any stock into that's why i'm this is the one i'm closest to you on um side quests 14 14 14? side quests. i don't care about side quests I like to play my own video games and open world games. Can't tell me what to do. <laughs> That's how, kind of how I feel. If, if the world is exciting enough to me, uh-huh. I want to go and play whatever I want to do. Like I, I'm not really too interested in the side quests so much. Like I want to go and explore this area, or what happens if I do this, or what happens if I do this? What weapons can I find over here? Like I like to do that stuff myself. I think that side quests mostly exist for people that don't like to play the way that I do, right? So you have something to force you to go and explore here, or you have something to give you the more time you want to spend in the world. But like Mm -hmm. I've spent 150 hours in this game having completed barely any side quests.
0: So I have something later to say about side quests, which we'll talk about later. But um, I have uh, 67 out of 90. Yeah, see, that's that's
1: like two thirds, right?
0: Yeah, and I have, like, maybe five pending that, like, I'm in the middle of. Did you get the giant horse? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I didn't get the giant horse. Yeah, yet.
1: I got that one. I'm working on it. I'm working on the giant horse. Mine, the ones that I've done is stuff that I wanted to do. Like, I look through them, right? And, like, I want mm-hmm. that suit of armor, or I want to get the giant horse, right? So, like, I pick those ones Well, out. you also have to talk to a lot of people to even get them. Yeah, but guides will tell you about them as well, though.
0: <gasps> That's something else we have to talk about. You, oh. It's not cheating. It, it's okay. You can tell. You're, it's, it's not cheating. Uh, it's a little cheating. It's not cheating. Nintendo it's make a, a guy book. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, I, I don't think know. it's cheating. I don't know. It I don't might know.
1: be like, I don't know. Maybe I'm like wussing out on it or something. I don't know. But, right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I, it's a different way to play. How about it's that? It's a
1: different way to play. And I yeah. don't have the almost masochistic view of playing video games that you do, right? Where like <laughs> you will play on hard. Like I don't garner a lot of enjoyment out of that. Like, I, I needed sometimes a little bit of help to keep me going. Mm-hmm. DLC. Now, I have completed the first Trial of the Sword.
0: Oh, there's a first one?
1: Oh, there's multiple levels. Oh. It gets harder.
0: Okay, so you have to go through a whole bunch first, where you get dropped into that world and you fight all the fights, right? And
1: then there's another one? No, there's multiple levels of fighting the fights.
0: Yeah, but they don't. you don't save those levels. You get reset back once you leave.
1: Okay, so what happens is you play through however many rounds it is, like the waves. Yeah. Then you get thrown into the real world, and the sword gets a little bit more powerful. Then you have to do it again to bring it up to the next power level. I think there's three of them in total. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, and I've And every done time you go those. through these waves of enemies, this mm-hmm. is part of the DLC to make the Master Sword more powerful. What's the highest it gets to? I don't remember. It's like maybe like 70 or something like that. And mine's at like 40. No,
0: but it's 80 when it lights up. When you're fighting Ganon, it oh. goes up to
1: 80. I think that the top thing that you get is uh, when you've completed it. I don't remember the level it is, but it is always mega powered. Like It never, the the power never goes away.
0: And it never breaks. Never breaks. That's sweet. That's real sweet. Yeah. I didn't do any of the trials of the sword, but I did all the other DLC things that you could do. The trial of the sword is the only thing that I have not done. It's hard. I tried to get through the first one and I just, I kept, and I, I moved on. I want to finish the other things first. So. Yeah, it
1: took me it took me quite a while to do it. And I will mm-hmm. say I was a little bit bummed out when I realized that it only was like one, th- like I did the whole thing. I was like, yeah, I've done it. Oh, I have to do it like three more times. Well,
0: that's just like all the champion really ones too. It was like, yeah. I offer you this one last trial and then you do it and you're like, I offer you this one last trial and then you do that one and they're like, I offer you this one last trial and you're like, ah, does it, like, it end? How
1: many more do I have to do?
0: <laughs> like, just be honest how many there are. Tell me there's 20. Just tell it. Just say out loud. There's like 20,000 things you need to do and then once you like i I need a list i need to check them off i need, i don't want the unknown because that's what ends up frustrating me is like the okay here we go open up the big door and it's gonna be another trial <laughs> like no i can't do this i've been playing too long i need to go for a walk
1: so basically the, the answer is that if you complete the final trial um i think there's three different levels of trials the sword stays fully charged, dealing 60 damage at all times. Mm-hmm. Instead of just when you're like in front of Guardians when it gets extra powerful. It's always like that.
0: It gets powerful in front of Guardians?
1: Yeah, that's why it goes blue. Oh my gosh. For Guardians and, I think, Lynels, it goes blue.
0: Oh my... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's more powerful for them.
0: I haven't been using that sword at all in front of any... Ah, oh, I haven't used the Master Sword, like, at
1: all. I call that a pro strat. Oh, my God. The Master That's, Sword I, is, like... I should have made a YouTube
0: weapon. video of just not using the Master Sword, like, ever. Like, I just never, ever use it because it's always sitting... I, every time I look, it's sitting at 30, so... I'm like, I have more weapons that are more powerful. They break. Well, but, like, basically,
1: what we've learned is your playthrough would just be, how do you play through Breath of the Wild without paying attention to literally <laughs> anything anyone ever tells you? I
0: know. I knew nothing about the Master Sword. I know nothing about the stupid tower. All of this
1: information is available to you in the game.
0: <laughs> One of the main things I had to look up was that mechanic of freezing time and then hitting it with your whatever you have to mm-hmm. launch something mm-hmm. that was one of the only things that i had to like really really look up because i'm like how do i com- how does this stuff like i couldn't figure out how to get it to work i had no idea that that mechanic even existed for maybe 50 hours into the game i had no clue yeah 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 i know i know
1: i have no time to waste
0: no Ah, oh, should we open the loot box i think we should
1: <laughs> okay So, Tiff, everybody, I think, should go and follow us on Instagram, right? Instagram.com slash playing for fun FM. Absolutely. I love our Instagram. It's just little random pictures <laughs> of us playing games. Right now, it's full of Stardew Valley stuff because that's mm-hmm. what we're so obsessed with. Um, so, you can go and find us there. We're on Twitter as well, Twitter.com slash playing for fun FM. Twitter's really good because that's one way you can find out when we're going to be streaming next with times and stuff like Mm -hmm. we always mention on the show when we're going to be streaming and stuff like that if we have a time set but this is a great way that if me and tiff have decided we want to just slack off for the rest of thursday afternoon we'll tweet (laughs) about the fact that we're going to be streaming on twitch so that's a great way for you to find that out so that's a really good way to keep in touch with everything that we're up to
0: Hey, Mike, I want to tell you about our friends over at Casper. Okay. They are our friends because we really like them and I love their mattresses. And Casper, our company, focused on sleep. They're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. And you spend like a third of your life sleeping.
1: Mine's way more. It's like half. Yeah,
0: a th- <laughs> oh no I... only
1: on weekends during the week okay. it's like a quarter like in bed with your switch yeah actually that's it it's like it's not i don't know if i spend a third of my life sleeping but i probably <laughs> spend about a half of it in bed there you go
0: yeah, it's, I mean, when it's that comfortable.
1: And if you mm-hmm. spend a
0: third of your life doing anything, you want to make sure it's the best it can possibly be. And that's why you kind of need a Casper. You totally do. I think you do. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe, support your natural geometry. And it's got all the right support in all the right places. So, what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable, you ask, Mike? Is I that do what you ask. asked? Hang I on, Tiff. How, ask
1: what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? Please <laughs> tell me. <laughs> I would well, like to know. <laughs> what funny you should ask. <laughs>
0: well, I actually happen to know. They combined multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. And Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the United States with their breathable design, and they help to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And with over 20,000, 20, 20,000? That's a lot. It's a big score on their reviews right there. An average rating of 4.8 stars. That's their pro stats, right? Right yep. there. Mm-hmm. Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk-free sleep on it trial, and they deliver directly to your door. And if for any reason you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy. And I don't know about the return policy personally, because I've never returned one of their mattresses and it's Fabulous. And we plan on filling our entire home with them because I like it a lot. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash playing for fun and using playing for fun at checkout terms and conditions apply. That's casper.com slash playing for fun and offer code playing for fun. And we thank Casper so much for their support of the show. Thank you, Casper. Yeah, thanks. And for support of us (laughs) while we sleep. Yeah. (laughs) all the support all the great support all the
1: right places
0: all it's the my right favorite line support. it's
1: my favorite line it's so good
0: so it good. is true it's true though
1: all right so what are we streaming next or what what are we continuing to stream <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we started
0: we started without ourselves or no mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense sure. yeah we uh <laughs> stuff all over the place okay our next stream uh we are already streaming and because yeah. we couldn't help ourselves Basically, the day it came out, we are doing Stardew Valley Multiplayer. Yep. And it's a player farm. Player farm! So everyone come on down. We
1: have established player farm. We we mm-hmm. tend to the farm. I really wish it was together. player
0: farm farm. I really do. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I got it
1: right this time. Um, you should just follow us on Twitch because typically we're like you know in the past we're like right we're gonna set up a playthrough of the game come and watch that playthrough. we just can't stop playing it mm-hmm. every chance that we get so you should just go to twitch.tv slash playing for fun fm and you should follow us there and then you will be notified every time uh we stream we're going to be streaming this a bunch i think so it's, we're going to actually be talking about stardew valley on our next episode mm-hmm. but i am petitioning for this game to just stream for forever i think Is how I feel right now. Your petition was approved by the committee of playing for fun. It's so good. I mean, it was so good anyway, but now the multiplayer just makes it extra good.
0: I know. We just keep accidentally streaming for hours and then I get too hungry and have to leave. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But uh, some, uh, so definitely subscribe to us on Twitch because it will tell you when we are playing. And you can be super cool like some of our other subscribers like BW Hamilton93, Nick Luce, and Fluff.
1: 42. 42. So it's really easy to subscribe, especially if you have an Amazon Prime account. You can do that. You can hook it up to Twitch and then you can get a free subscription every month. And a subscription on Twitch means we get money. So thank you so much for that. Uh, We actually just got our first payment from Twitch and it was really awesome. So thank you to everybody that subscribed. Oh, hey, Tiff, Mm -hmm. I want to tell you about our second sponsor, and that is Away. Away makes smart, premium suitcases so your luggage won't cost any more than your plane ticket. The Away team are full of thinkers and seekers and designers, and they have designed the perfect suitcases, including my personal favorite feature. Their carry-ons have batteries in them so you can power your phone when you're traveling. It is the very best feature of anything ever. I absolutely love it. You can even now, with their carry-on cases, you can pop the battery right out so when you get to your destination, you have a battery with you wherever you go so you can charge all your stuff. That's the smartest thing. It really is. It's <laughs> the best thing. It's the very best thing. very jealous of that. It's so good. And... I haven't tested this out, but I bet it could give a little bit of power to your Switch, too. You know, if, like, you're in a mm. real tense moment, you've got to finally beat your final liner well, you can do it with an, with the battery that comes with your Away case. So you should go to awaytravel.com slash playing for fun right now. You can browse all of Away suitcases, which feature German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. They have over 10 colors and five sizes of case to choose from. They have the camera carry-on and the bigger carry-on then they have the medium and the large which are like regular big suitcases and then they have a kids carry-on as well because they like to believe in giving cases to everyone over away all of away suitcases have a fantastic compression system so if you're an overpacker like me you still have the space they have four 360 degree spinner wheels they're compliant with major u.s airlines so they maximize the amount that you pack but can still get it on and carry-on And they have TSA combination locks built in. My second favorite feature after the battery is the removable washable laundry bag. So when you get to your destination and you've unpacked, you can take this laundry bag out. And then when you're done with your clothes at the end of the day, you put them in the laundry bag. You zip up the laundry bag when you're ready to go home. Put it in the case. When you get home, you unzip it, dump it into the hamper. Super simple. I love my always suitcases. And I know that all of the players out there will too. And... (laughs) Away believe in the quality of their products, right? So they're going to guarantee it for you. If anything breaks in your Away case, they will fix or replace it for life. And they have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked return policy. They do free shipping on orders within the lower 48 states of the U.S. as well. You want to travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. To find out more about Away, go to awaytravel.com slash playing for fun. And if you use the code playing for fun at checkout, you will get $20 off any of their suitcases. That is awaytravel.com slash playing for fun. And the code playing for fun for $20 off our thanks to Away for their support of this show Relay FM. So talking about those streams, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We have been streaming a bunch of Stardew Valley. If you've missed it, you can go to our YouTube at youtube.com slash playing for fun FM, and they are all there for you to watch. Something probably like 20 hours now, probably <laughs> way more. Uh, so you can go and catch up on everything that's been happening at Player Farm. It's also a great thing to just have kind of playing in the background. You could
0: even use it like you're listening to a podcast yes. of us playing because we do talk, we chat chat, we talk about the game, we play mm-hmm. jokes on each other, and you know, it's a, yep. it's, it's a good listen.
1: Every time we start screaming, you can just flick over to the tab to see what it is we've done to each other. You know, it's like it's it's a whole experience. (laughs) And we really appreciate everybody that checks out the show and shares it with their friends. That is a great way to help the show grow. And we really, really appreciate it. So if you do enjoy playing for fun, tell a friend about it. Because Mm -hmm. we think this is a pretty nice show to listen to. And we think other people will like it too. Yep. And the
0: more people listen, the more fun stuff we get to do. Yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's close the loot box and get back to Breath of the Wild.
0: All right, Mike, I think we should talk about the characters in this game. Do you mean Mr. Blankety Blank on this <laughs> link? <laughs> he is. He's like... Oh, he's, I don't really know how to describe him. He's so blank. He's a blank slate. <laughs> There's nothing. Right. There's nothing to him. Yeah, he's uh, a uh, he's a blank of slate. That's what he is. Yeah, yeah, I oh. like it.
1: Very good. Very good. <laughs> so, both in the characters and the story, I think is where this game has its only stumbling point. But it doesn't affect it for me because... It kind of fits the mold of a lot of RPGs where the character doesn't say anything because the character is you, so that there isn't a Mm -hmm. presumption in what is being said by you. But then there is also this weird part where, like, the other person's reacting to things that you haven't said. It's very strange, but this is the way that they decide to go with Link in this game. I mean, like I mentioned Pokemon earlier, right? Made by the same companies, by and large very similar right like your character and the pokemon never speaks and that's just kind of the way it is and i think that this kind of links into the story for me because there basically isn't one that's why i find the idea of spoilers in this game to be quite interesting because there isn't a story Mm -hmm. there isn't one like there's little things that you do but there is no like revelation moment really in anything that happens And I think that Nintendo clearly made like a prioritization. Like they decided to go all in on the open world and that Mm -hmm. this was such a big task for them. They had so many things to think about that the story would have been too difficult to do because there's no defined path. Like if they wanted to stick to this idea of allowing you to go anywhere and do anything, it's really hard to make a story fit into that really well. Like at least a very like cohesive and complete narrative Mm-hmm. So they kind of had to build a story that you could experience in any order. You can go to the champions in literally any order, and it still has to make some semblance of sense. So the way that they did it, which is kind of genius, is oh, Link lost his memory.
0: <laughs> good old amnesia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the good old soap opera trope. Like yep. it's, it's, it is the their way out was. Link has amnesia, he doesn't remember anything, so he doesn't have a specific path that he needs to take because he doesn't know where he's going or what he's doing and he'll just fill it in along the way, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, like I accept that. Like the follow-up to this game I think needs to have a more cohesive narrative to it. But it didn't bother me when I was playing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but when I look at it objectively, I know it was not good enough, right? Like there is there is no story really.
0: I mean, there's really no story in most of the Link Zelda games, because... Yeah, but
1: if you look at something like Majora's Mask, though, there is at least this, like, bigger narrative going on. And there's, there's, like, some of the mechanics lead into it, like, that you have the time ticking down. Where, like, this one was, like, so basic.
2: Yeah, but still,
0: you had, like, the champions and the, the beasts and, and the, the ancient weapons and stuff, and you... Mm-hmm. Like you had all of that, like there was that. So there's stuff, but it's not
1: a very like nuanced story.
0: No, I mean, it like it never was. It's like Ganon bad, Link good, Princess yeah. in trouble. Like it's always been like that triforce of things. Uh, <laughs> and but the tri- like the triforce never really comes into this at all. Like there's no. really no. Triforce, like in all the other games, you kind of found like shards of the Triforce or girls locked in crystals or pieces of this to build. And you had that and then the champions and things, but it didn't go right back to the Zelda Triforce mm-hmm. legend that you would normally have. It was very subtle in this story, but I did like how the princess, she had more of a story than I think even Link did in this.
1: Yeah, I I would have found it like really unacceptable like if Zelda was the character that Zelda always plays. Mm-hmm. Cuz like you couldn't have like Link loses memory and then like Zelda is just trapped in a castle and that's her whole story. Like it would have just been like re- like at least they went with it that way where the whole story is basically anchored around her as the main protagonist to all of the flashbacks, right? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Because that and I kind of because that's like people are telling the story through her and that's an interesting way to do it. That was more interesting to me than any other route they could have gone. But it really just it just didn't it just doesn't feel complete to me. Like it's the only criticism I have of the game.
0: Right. I mean, like I liked how much depth she got in her story because at first, yeah. like I actually didn't like her and I thought that that was nice that I didn't like her because before she was nothing. She was a girl in a you know in a dress and yeah. you had to find her and rescue her like 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. And now it's like she actually had a story where you could see that she had a personality and struggles and she was finding herself and it was there. She was wearing pants. She got to wear pants.
1: She <laughs> has so a whole exciting. like suit of armor type deal. Like she's yeah. a, she is a warrior in her own right.
0: Yeah. And that's what's amazing. And I really, I loved that because that is something that you never got to see in other zelda games i mean the game is named after her and she's never really in it very much Nah,
1: i thought that zelda was the boy for just so long oh yeah every when
0: adam was dressed up as link everyone was like oh you're zelda or or you're robin hood (laughs)
1: are you familiar with the zelda is the boy meme
0: no (laughs) this was this was
1: this was from like it was just after breath of the wild came out and there was just this meme of like people that would know so like people in video game journalism and stuff like the meme was they would say oh Zelda's the boy like that (laughs) that was the it was a very good oh because
0: that's what everyone would say yeah and it's so i really like that i liked her character at this even though we had link as kind of the blank slate. We had Zelda kind of becoming this warrior. And I really hope that that kind of opens up stuff for the future games where she is more uh, present in some of the fighting. Like they did in uh, Mario versus Rabbits, right? Like they have the princess fighting with everyone.
1: She is a, as equally as playable a character as everybody else in the game.
0: Yeah, and she's more powerful than everyone else in that game. And I love that, that they are starting to trend that way. And I really hope that we see that kind of with Zelda. And that's it, something else about her is that I felt really... Her storyline drove me to finish the game faster than I normally would have because of all of the backstory and the flashbacks that you get of, of her. And you knew that she was like 100 years fighting and holding back Ganon in this mm-hmm. castle. I'm like, I felt the drive to... Help her. <laughs> Interesting. I I didn't want to like. I didn't want to do any side stuff at first because I just really want felt the urgency that I need to get to the castle and relieve her of all this that she's been going through while I'm, cause I didn't feel like, Oh, let me just lollygag around and da, 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 and find this and play with that and talk to this person at the stable. And sure. I'll help you find the best meat in the land. Like I didn't feel like those things were really worthy. I, I kind of plowed through, got my memories, like did the big checklist of things that I needed to do. And then I went straight um, to the Ganon battle, the final Ganon battle. And so I went back after beating that and did all of the little stuff. Uh, That's when I felt comfortable doing that. But because you don't end the game in a happy state, like they don't let you play after the defeat of Ganon, it's almost like that anxiety is still looming over you the entire time you're playing any extras in the game. And I think that that is a testament to Zelda's character in that you, I felt the need to help her out. Like she's fighting, and I'm, I'm lollygagging. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. it just didn't feel right. Um, yeah. So, and the ex that also made me feel certain things. We were talking about the characters, the extras in the game. We were talking about how real and awesome and vast and beautiful this world is, and the extras, like all the other little highland people walking around and doing stuff. It made me feel really bad to like break their jars and steal their stuff you know that was lying around like the (laughs) stables and their houses and like that's a typical uh zelda game mechanic to like Mm -hmm. break Mm -hmm. all the things and steal all the stuff you can and i felt really bad like taking an axe off of someone's porch like i thought twice about like "Eh, i'll find one in the woods (laughs) i feel like you might need this (laughs) and so like it it gave me like it 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 personified and, and gave me feelings for all these people. And, and I actually felt bad doing the stuff that I would normally in a video game have no qualms about doing whatsoever. So I think that's a testament to the fleshing out even like background characters.
1: Yeah. I think for me, the world was like telling its own story in ways that I found interesting. You know, mm-hmm. like I can think we've all seen the videos and stuff now of like, And it's even happened to me where you're fighting one of those big Cyclops dudes, right? Mm -hmm. And and then you're kind of like, it's chasing you around. And then you accidentally bump into one of the, I can't remember any of the names, like the big stone monsters, like the Golemy type deals. Mm -hmm. And then they start fighting each other. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff is... I think maybe one of the reasons that I didn't really take to the story so much because I kind of just didn't really care about it because the world was doing its own thing. And I was way more interested in that because I've never really played a game that felt that way where like things would bump into each other and start interacting in in ways that, again, it's, it's just like this is happening you know, then like a guardian gets involved and starts shooting lasers over at the cyclops dude. Then it's just like, what is happening? <laughs> what did you What
0: did you do in this world? I never had like that extreme of a giant monster battle situation. I never
1: had the the three way situation, but I have seen <laughs> videos of it happening. That's awesome. There is all this just this stuff that the world will do on its own, which mm-hmm. just made it so much more intriguing for me to just keep walking around and exploring and seeing what happens. Than really rushing through the story because the story just didn't grab me. Like for me, I just didn't find it really unique enough. It it felt like a story I've played many, many times. Like that, it didn't have twists. You know, there's this -hmm. is the first Zelda game with any voice acting, right? Which Mm -hmm. I was very happy for that right that they did that i mean this was a big shock when they showed the trailer right because it had voices yeah. like if they would have not done that it would have just i think it would have really detracted from what even what they had and i think that the the fact that they did the voice acting shows that nintendo is more committed to fleshing out the stories in these games and I, and i hope i genuinely hope to see something a little bit more involved next time like i would really really like to see that just as a way to like progress this Because it seems that they are working on the next game that they are working on will be very much like this one and taking it further. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, like, Mm -hmm. geez, you know, they've sold so many copies of. I think they're about to sell 10 million copies of this. Like, it's an absolute smash and success, as well as winning all the awards. There were some mechanics that I wanted to run through with you which were interesting, uh, interesting, different, some of the stuff they made that was pretty different for this game. One of them is the the weapon breaking, and I wondered Mm -hmm. what you thought about that.
0: It made me hoard, and I started to feel like certain weapons were precious because I knew that they would break, so I'd be afraid to use them. So I would, like, not use great weapons when I was fighting just, like, rando lizard monsters popping out of the water or something i would try and find like even if it would take me longer to defeat them i would use weapons that were like really crude that i had just found like their throwaway stuff uh to fight them because i had like this giant fear of, of of wasting a good weapon on something and then even when i'd come to like a giant monster i would still even have that moment of Eh, Is it worth it? (laughs) Like, if I, you know, it might take me an extra 10 minutes to defeat them with my crappy weapons that just keep breaking over and over or i could waste like one big weapon but then by the time the end of the battle it's like it's done so i did have that feeling of rarity when it came to good weapons and of course because i wasn't using the master sword like uh (laughs) i wish i could have been using the entire time (laughs) darn it (laughs) then so frustrating to know this right now i like want to leave and like go play again like i think that um yeah, I had this like uh, a hoarder mentality when it came to a lot of the good stuff, and also some of the shields and things that were actually like beautiful. I kind of wanted to keep them. Yeah, you know, like I wanted, to, and I know that when you buy the house, you can hang stuff in your house. Mm-hmm. So I did. I, I took some of the pretty, but not enough. It's never enough because I'm a hoarder, especially in video games. So it was, uh, it was one of those moments where I like I started seeing things as precious.
1: Yeah, I I would say that if I had a favorite weapon, I would try and be careful with it. And also, like it's really interesting when you find yourself in a situation where you're like, "Oh crap, I don't have any good weaponry." Mm -hmm. Like you find yourself in a situation where you're kind of stuck, and it definitely adds a different level to the game. Like if I only ever used just this one sword that I picked up, I think it wouldn't be as exciting. Like it adds a little bit more panic
2: to it. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I also
1: like the variation. Like I think there's enough variation in the fighting you know between the different types of weapons like the single-handed weapons and the two-handed weapons and then all of the different bow and arrow stuff you can do and then you've got stuff like the bombs that you can throw Mm -hmm. i think that there was there is quite a lot of variation in a game where you're pretty much only walking and fighting but there there is enough variation in the fighting that you're doing that makes it exciting still
0: Oh, yeah. And especially once you have like some of the extra abilities, like the the different champion abilities when you start doing the Divine Beasts, uh, that also changes your fighting style drastically. Like my fighting style from the very beginning of the game and then how I play now is vastly different because I can pop into the castle basically whenever I want. without even thinking about it and grab everything that i need and i can also use these giant abilities like the flight or the electric shock and i can take down enemies so quick like those cyclops dudes like they don't even get a chance to make a swing at me before i decimated them you You just
1: do like one swing attack right and then like they're done Mm -hmm. once you get the lightning ability and stuff like oh yeah simple yeah so they like it it drastically changes
0: how you kind of navigate through the world because at first i was putting you can stamp on the map which i really like that and every time i ran into one of the larger enemies i would put one of the little skulls on the map be like oh don't go there like watch out watch out like this is dangerous this is dangerous and i would avoid them and then now i'm just like i'll take you down watch out well
1: now it's like well i can go back there and get some pretty decent weapons from them like especially little cyclops dude right like yeah he He always has some decent stuff or some some generally good uh materials and stuff that the guy will have on him which can be useful
0: do you have that mask that you get from the night dude um dude at night the um yeah yeah like
1: the the, the, yeah the monster mask thing yeah i've got that
0: or the lion how do you pronounce that
1: lionel yeah Lionel? lionel Like Lionel Richie, I, yeah, I don't know that's, if that's right. I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right, but that's how I think it. Good, good old Lionel. Yeah,
0: good old Lionel. It's probably oh, like hey.
1: Lionel or something hey, like that. Hey, I'm Lionel. gonna guess. How you doing? So it's not like Lionel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can
0: get the mask, and you can kind of like walk up to him, and then be like, "Wah!" But st- I still can't beat those very fast. They are tough. Yeah, I've gotten two, I think, ever, and that's it.
1: When I was really playing it a lot, I got into it and I could beat them every time. But when I got back into it for this, I can't do it again. There is a skill to it. that You you end up kind of learning like a flow. There is like a definite Mm -hmm. flow to beating them. And once you've got it down a couple of times, it becomes easier. But until you kind of really start focusing on it, it could be super difficult to do.
0: I I, I was getting the feeling a little bit that some are more difficult than others. There's like different types of them and some Mm -hmm. are like... You can get them real quick. And then the other ones, it's just like, I've gotten nowhere and I've been Mm -hmm. fighting you for like 20 minutes.
1: Do you consider the food and like all the cooking, like to get uh, elixirs and stuff, a help or a hindrance?
0: I like that you don't have to use it. I like that it's not a required mechanic, but I do like that if you need to bulk up for something, you can spend some time concocting some Method to to get around what you were struggling Mm -hmm. with, and I so I really like that it's there, and I do I listen to the little song every single time I like it. Anyway, uh, when you cook, just that little fruit dancing thing, I love that. There you go, (laughs) and so I I like it. Um, I like that you can ignore it also so i think that there's a, a great balance to it in this game I, I don't like games where it's like you must cook all the time in order to have any kind of hearts like i like that you can regain your hearts in multiple different ways mm-hmm. and so you don't feel like you have to rely on cooking as the only way to regain your health
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do you feel about it
1: i consider it a complete hindrance like it, really i find it really frustrating yeah it because it's the easiest way to regain health. It's the only way to regain health when you're on the go. Like, I have no problem doing the recipes to, like, build up what I need for a while, right? So I'll cook a bunch of the resources that I collect and I have them with me just to give me extra hearts when I'm out in a battle. Mm -hmm. But, like, the elixirs and the food that I need for strength or or whatever, like, in certain circumstances, like, to help me get through a thing, the thing that I find so frustrating is I can I feel like I can never get the recipes right. Like, I feel like I, I like, oh, okay I can see what these things do so if I combine them I should get what I want mm-hmm. but it's it feels like it's sometimes you do and sometimes you don't and i I kind of wished that there was a recipe function in the game well like if if I encountered something that gave me a certain like buff that it would save and then I could recook it
0: yes no i I do because there are in the stables too they have like kind of these faded out Well, you can't really focus on it, but like pictures of recipes Mm -hmm. and you can make out the ingredients by like the fuzzy picture that it is. And I think it's it's intentionally vague. But I would like to have some sort of list in the menu system of the recipes I know or something like that, because is people tell you recipes Mm -hmm. and you pick them up all over the place or certain quests require you to have a certain recipe. And so yeah, I, w- I really would like a log of that somewhere. Mm-hmm. That would be very nice. And I-, I can't see why they couldn't put it in a DLC or something in the future. But yeah, I mean, uh, do you get sludge? Is that what happens? Like you just get bad no, stuff, I, or
1: I just get like all of this is going to give you two thirds of your hearts. And it's like, well, I used a bunch of things to try and get a strength like modifier, right? Where I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. putting in a bunch of like mighty bananas or whatever. And it's either, like, I get a, a low-strength modifier or just not one at all. And I'm like, I don't understand what I did that's got got me to this. Like, it, it's just oh, a bit yeah. confusing sometimes.
0: I, I think that you just have to um, get into the... Because w- what I found is you get into the rhythm of, you know, meat plus this plus that. If you t- pick, like, all of the things that say, like, stamina, mm-hmm. you know, then you get, like, that the extra boost in addition to the, like... Generic like refilling hearts like it'll give you extra hearts or extra donut or extra speed like you there's kind of like a formula that you can use to do that kind of stuff. And I actually like the cooking because I was playing with it for a a while. And I like that you can make weird things like cakes. And stuff. I mean, they really don't do anything extra except for like have a different icon and look mm-hmm. pretty and like make you feel like you made something. I think it was delightful. Someone have fun, right? They just put those yeah, together. Like, yeah, like you can make like a little fruitcake or like baked apple pie and like all kinds of stuff you throw in the right things. And I, I had a lot of fun with playing with that. So I, I do, I like it. But I think that that's, that's another element to liking collecting and, and crafting in a game. And if you like that, then you will like the cooking mechanic.
1: So what do you think about the visuals of this game?
0: I love it. I have found myself taking more screenshots mm. during this game than I think I have of almost any game that I've ever played. Yeah. Like, especially when you're on top of a mountain and the sun is setting or rising yeah. <laughs> or just like the weather and the light and the clouds. It is absolutely dynamic.
1: You find yourself just stumbling across the thing and you're like, how does this exist?
0: exactly you're like this is just so beautiful or i feel so epically awesome like climbing this flagpole Mm -hmm. at the top of this mountain i just need to take a picture of it and i've never felt like that need to capture something as i as i would in real life but in a game and i think that's a huge testament to how how beautiful and
1: visual this game really is i really like the use of slow motion a bunch like when you're in the air with a bow or whatever and it like it mm-hmm. just slows down i really like that a lot that's one of my little favorite kind of visual design things that they tried to do which actually then also helps you in certain fighting situations i really like oh that. yeah
0: the function of it in, in the fighting is so great it yep. really does it lets you focus and it lets you aim and without having that panic mm-hmm. and i i like it
1: it's, it's very useful
2: mm-hmm
0: I love the, the loading screen when you're waiting. Those little icons are so great. Like of the little beast and the little yeah. animation that they did to it makes it so the delightful to watch.
1: They're all like kind of yes. walking along in line. It's very cute.
0: And they all have their own little movements to it. And I just I, I, I think that they are so and the, just the black and white. Of it is striking and it it makes a simple loading screen that they do give you tips which is nice that you can cycle through but it makes it not a burden to go through because it is it's a deep deep big visually graphic heavy game that Mm -hmm. does take time to load when you move around the world as quickly as you can and to give you that nice delightful well-designed beautiful iconic screen with all the little um beautiful designed icons very simple line drawings it they're just really good and I, I really like that they didn't clutter that up because the game is so visually busy they give you kind of like this nice uh, monochromatic break in the loading screen and i mm-hmm. really appreciate that I, I really like the cultural adornments in every region too do you notice did you notice all that like as you're walking around
1: i don't know what do you mean
0: like So when you're like, if you're walking through a canyon to the desert, right, mm-hmm. when you enter the desert, um, it starts gradually becoming more and more like the culture of the region uh, where it's oh, like okay. either like the statues around mm-hmm. or like the bunting banners that are hanging from the mountains. And and that changes from region to region. And right. as you get into like a town, it increases with density. And it's just so beautiful that you all of a sudden, you know, just from a simple flag or a statue that this is the region you stumbled upon without even looking at the map. And each culture has its strong identity and it shows that in the in the graphics that they use to display those visuals around the world and i just i really like that
1: that is really good i I hadn't really thought about that before but you're completely right that is a really that's a really nice visual thing that they do to kind of give you a sense of place like Mm -hmm. stuff starts to change like even just the general environment right because the kind of the four key areas are very different right it's kind of like lush greenery a volcano a desert and snow
0: But they don't just rely on the environment; they actually give you these cultural um, symbols. Yeah. Oh, I I do want to talk about the um, korokos. Is that how you say it? The little woodland creatures that you find the seeds from.
1: Yeah. The yeah yeah koroko.
0: Koroko. Yeah. I don't know what they're called, but they are so cute. I think they're so cute. I love the in the, in contrast to all the the big monsters and the Kora. villains and the yeah. There you go. And the like the. Spewing Ganon goop everywhere, like these little cute creatures. I think that that's why I enjoy finding them because (laughs) they're like do that. They do that little little like you found me. Like it's so cute. And then when you bring the seeds to the big guy in the woods, he does this wonderful, amazing dance with maracas and shoots out all this confetti. And I watch it every time, and it's so funny and adorable and it lightens everything up. It's like you could have gone through all of these crazy battles and then you bring a whole bunch of seats to this guy and he's like, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> I love the timing and the rhythm of it all. It is wonderful little music and the the sound design around the entire game is, is delightful. And we should talk about that. But it's those little woodland creatures in particular that i have a very strong feeling in my heart for
1: the sound in general in this game is very understated right like i feel like there isn't a really predominant musical score Mm -hmm. like there is music but it's very light touch. It blends. And, and this is something like you mentioned about like the cultural adornments. The music blends pretty nicely from place to place, right? Like it, yeah. it, you don't really feel like there's ever like a harsh cut on it. Like it seems to kind of fade in and out. But the majority of times when you're playing the game, you just get like the occasional note or key that you hear. And that's kind of mm-hmm. it for a while. Like you get like a dum and But that's it. And I find the music very strange in this game because there is a whole soundtrack, right? Like there is a whole soundtrack to the game. Like Mm -hmm. you can get it as an album, but I feel like there are only a couple of songs that I really know. And they're the songs in the towns.
0: Yeah. And a lot of the songs that they use, they take the traditional um, Zelda game themes from mm-hmm. other places like the um, castle royal family songs the um, you know Zelda's lullaby kind of music and you have the in town like the chill out town music they have that um, they, uh, they have all those musical cues for battles and when monsters are around and when it's dangerous or when it's cold like I, I hear all those musical cues but I it, it's very subtle it's an underlying thing it's not a really aggressive soundscape that they're they're providing you.
1: And I think it works. I couldn't tell you why. It makes me feel
0: different when I'm in different areas. Like yeah. when you're going through the mountains, it that sounds completely different than when you're out in the field. But it's 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 not punching you in the face with it though, which mm-hmm. is what I kind of like. Yeah, I do, I still like that when you're going through the castle, they still have that like dungeon music, like it mm-hmm. harkens back to the link to the past music when you're in the dungeons and walking around. So I I just it sounds like History. It sounds like memories to me because I have all those memories playing those games, and so I, I really I like the music. But you're right; it, it's much more subtle in this game than you would think it would be because it's so visually busy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so I think we waited for long enough. You promised that you wanted to talk to me about guides. <laughs>
0: And how, oh, I think I already told you how I feel about those. Well, like, a just sometimes, bit. you know,
1: I just need a bit of help. So, like, the DLC, for example, right? <laughs> okay. I really wanted to get the bike in the DLC. Mm-hmm. And I started playing it and quickly realized this is incredibly difficult because you have to find the places. Then when you found the places, you have to, like, find the exact point where it needs to be and then yeah. do the thing that you need to do. And like, But I they was- give you a map. Yeah, but I was struggling to find them a lot of the time. Like, I would try. I, I only ever use guides when I feel like I've exhausted my options. Like, I don't just, like, mm-hmm. go, like, right, open the guide. Where am I going now? I, I don't okay. see a fun okay. in playing that way. But it's like I've tried a bunch, and I start to feel that and getting frustrated. So the easiest way for me to keep playing rather than getting annoyed at the game is just to get the answer that I need. That's when I use them.
0: All right. I will dip into a guide if I find myself feeling that I know where this is, I feel like I'm right, but I'm not running into it. Mm -hmm. And if I get stuck in that kind of a situation where I'm like, I, I literally can't figure out, like, I feel like there's no other place that this could be. It has to be here. And then I will dip in to look up what happened. And some of the times I'm right and I'm just not looking in the right spot or in the right way, something was somewhere like unexpected. Mm -hmm. That's when I would dip into a guide. So I do use them. I'm not Mm. a complete masochist, (laughs) I promise. But a lot of the times I will wait a lot longer than I think the average person would before I go into it. And I think for the DLC, I looked at a guide once or one of the locations because I kept walking around and around and around and around and I didn't find it and then I finally did um, after looking at a guide but all the all the rest of it I, I did on my own.
1: One of the other things that I I needed help with because I was really struggling which was at the DLC it's the final fight that you have to do with like the. Which
0: final fight? There's like 12 final The fights. final final <laughs> the final final the final 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 fight. Final fight. <laughs> with the
1: actual uh, With the shrine dude. Yeah. Oh, I kept calling it a her. Either way, I guess it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I think I maybe did it like 10 times and just kept dying. I was like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. Like, I couldn't do it.
0: I didn't die once. What?
1: I was so (laughs) bad. And then I just read one of the things like, oh, just have like a strength multiplier potion or something. Mm And then I did that and then did it straight through. It was like, Oh, okay, that was what it's clearly what I needed, which is seven minutes of extra strength. Like I just couldn't do it because mm. I think part of it was I was rushing because I was getting really frustrated because I wanted the bike so badly. See, I
0: didn't even know that the bike was there until you told me and then right. I wanted it. So <laughs> I didn't know what I was missing. And for a while, I wasn't even playing the DLC. You told me to play it. And mm-hmm. then I was like, yeah. And then at first it was kind of hard. Yep. And I'm like, oh, this just feels like a lot of fighting, like especially that very first stage where you're running around with one health and you have to go through and fight everything. Yep. And I'm like, this is just annoying. I'm like, I'm not going f- to I don't feel any um affinity or desire to continue on, because I had forgotten about the bike. I was like, "Eh, why am I doing this? And then I ran around doing all of the side quests instead, (laughs) like building the town and doing all kinds of stuff, like pretty much trying to be a completionist in the rest of the game. And then I fell back into it by accidentally refinding one of the dlc shrines again and i was like oh okay and i started plowing through it and i was like oh, okay i could do this now I, I feel the mechanic the only one i got really stuck on was the water blithe ganon that one i died a whole bunch before getting it oh that one's really hard yeah he was oh that that was the only one that i repeatedly died at except for the very first go through with the one health that i died ten thousand times but got through it so um yeah but That reward at the end. Eh? (laughs) Can you? You want to talk about
1: the bike? Yes.
0: (laughs) I couldn't believe how it looked when it showed up and it came down, like, the way they (laughs) displayed it. It's a horse. Oh, my gosh. And the crazy music at that last fight, too. That was yeah. bonkers. It was so, it felt really out of place. It felt really out of place, but it was still really fun. It's like, <laughs> Adam was watching me do it. He's like, this is awesome.
1: <laughs> I remember when they debuted it and everyone just lost their mind. It was uh, during the video game awards. It was, they were like, oh, we're going to talk about what the DLC is going to be. This is last September or something. And then the end of the DLC is just, the, just this little hill and then Link just, Bowels up the hill <laughs> in the air, right? Like he's jumping <laughs> over this hill and then like skids the bike round and everyone just oh loses God. their minds, right? So it turns out this was supposed to be in the regular game. Really? So it was going to be one of the Sheikah Slate abilities that you could unlock like you could everything else.
0: Because it overshadows everything. This is like crazy unicorn mega... Like, like it's just it just made horses totally
1: obsolete. You're like, why exactly. would I ever ride a
0: horse again? Why? That's why they it took not- it out.
1: That's why it didn't make the final game because yeah, it makes sense. It made moving around the environment too easy
2: because mm-hmm.
1: all you have to do is just feed it every now and then, just some junk that you pick up. Right, like you put anything <laughs> in it for fuel, but. It, they kind of it, it negated the need for horses and also made climbing too easy rather you you can get around basically anything because it can also jump so they ended up pulling out of the final game but they all everybody loved it so much you know in the development team that they decided to put it in as like basically one of the last things you'll do in this game yeah right because it's so hard to get to and it's the second dlc which came a year after you know nearly a year after it came out you know like they decided to to kind of really stretch it out
0: I'm I'm really glad that I got this as kind of one of my last things that I ever plan yep. on doing in this game because I and, and I'm actually glad that I kind of avoided the DLC for a little bit for that like first month of like July when I was supposed to be playing it and I and I wasn't um I was I'm glad that I did as like tons of side quests and stuff first because now having this thing I feel like that's it like if i felt better getting this silly motorcycle than i did defeating ganon (laughs) like that was great but it was harder it's way harder and uh, yeah i don't know i just i almost in my brain feel like this is the happy time in hyrule that i get to like drive around the motorcycle even though it's not really true i still have you know like ganon pending down like the quest is still looming Mm -hmm. even though you go back i really wish that there was a happy hyrule me too. Um, Me too. Time. Yeah. You know, that you can just, there's no monsters and you can just kind of like run around helping people or do it. I, I don't know like what you would fight or what you would do if there were no more monsters, but.
1: I don't you know. maybe help people, help people
0: build their houses again, right? Like, I don't know. I feel like I want to help rebuild Hyrule. There could
1: still be some of them. Like I don't think that all of the monsters are dependent on Ganon.
0: That's true. That's true. There could still be like stuff in the woods and, yeah. and there could just there's just more now mm-hmm. with Ganon. I mean, did you build the town? Did you do the town building?
1: I got like two maybe a two thirds, three quarters of the way through that.
0: Okay. Yeah. The the ending's very nice to that, actually. Okay. Should, it's very, very nice. Um and you should – so I almost feel like I want that, but at a larger scale during, like, Happy Hyrule. Like, I want to help them rebuild, like, the whole kingdom town that got, like, decimated and destroyed and help people get back to work. Like, oh, I wish someone would make a DLC of that. Of like, Happy Hyrule time, where it's almost like Stardew, right? Like, huh. Nice <laughs> nice Zelda game. Like, everyone's like, oh, Link's retired. Hyrule and he's gonna, Valley. Like, get a little house in the country. Yep. And he's going to farm a little bit. And, like – you know, make some friends around, drive his motorcycle, you know, average average everyday stuff. Over
1: time retirement time. <laughs> I wanna ask you about one of my very, very favorite things in this game. Have you visited even Tide Island?
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, I would looked at that. That's when you um you become basically like the naked dude in the woods with a yeah. with a rock. Right. Now.
1: I absolutely love this. I just stumbled across it because mm-hmm. it was like so this was after I um Got the hero's path mode, which was one part of the first DOC, which I absolutely love, where you can go to the map and it shows you everywhere you've been. I found so many things in this game that I didn't know existed. Yeah. There's huge areas I'd never visited but didn't know that. And uh, yeah, me too. Genius. Absolutely fantastic thing to add in Mm -hmm. because you could just be like, oh, I've never been over there. Yes. Yes, yes. I did the same thing. And I'd look at the
0: map and I'd be like, wow, that's totally empty of my little green line. Let me yep. go over there. And then I'd find shrines that I kind of should have found really early. And then I like breeze through them in two seconds because I have my weapons and my abilities are way too powerful. Yes,
2: yeah. <laughs> for like
0: what the shrine requires. So I'm just like, oh, that one's done. Oopsie, I forgot you. <laughs> but, but what I love about
1: Eventide Island is it is basically, it's like, a tiny version of the game. Yeah. You start again with nothing and you have to kind of traverse this little world and pick up all the little things that you need to get you a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger so you can eventually solve the qu- like the shrine quest that's on that island. I absolutely adored it when I found it. It was like such a lovely little surprise. I, I really, really liked that part of the game.
0: Yeah, I I, I like some of the bigger shrine quests that they throw you into, there yeah. aren't many, yeah. but the, some of them are are very nice. That they do feel like um, their own little mini game on the side of the big game. There's a couple little moments in the game that it, I feel like it just it's a really special mm-hmm. little moment that you find, and I kind of felt that way when I found Zelda's study in the castle because okay. you go through and it's kind of out on um, uh, over a bridge and it's in one of the towers. And you get there, and it's like all wrecked and everything. And then there's one silent princess flower kind of in there, and there's some books with her notes in it. And hmm. it just, it felt really intimate. And you can also find her room in the castle, right? But for some reason, her and her studies kind of like off of her room, I guess ish. You can kind of get to them both pretty easily. Uh, well, not easily, but from each other. And I don't know. I just felt like that that was kind of a really special little intimate moment. And if I remember correctly, I believe the music changed when you got in there. It just felt like a really sacred, interesting place. But it was something I stumbled upon. And it's not somewhere that you have to go, just like most of this game. But it felt like such a little treat that you found it because you got to be in this intimate space for the characters. And even though you said, you know, you didn't feel like that there was much story and everything, like I kind of I did I attached to the story, I think, a little bit more than you did, basically because of my feelings on Zelda. But being in her study and finding that was a really special moment. So if anyone who's playing this game has not found it, I suggest trying to go find it and and seeing for yourself. It's not much. It's a little tiny thing, but it just it's really stood out to me enough for me to want to mention it.
1: Yeah, I don't like think it's strange that somebody would really appreciate the story that they have in this game. I think I just was expecting a little bit more because of everything else that surrounds it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, considering I have less of an experience with it, so I bring less nostalgia to it, right? Because it's like, look at Super Mario Odyssey, right? There isn't really a huge story in that game either, but it's Mm -hmm. way more impactful to me because it's doing a similar kind of thing for Mario where it opens up the world for for that universe a little bit. Tells the traditional story, but caked in nostalgia, Mm -hmm. and like these incredible moments to add to it. And I think that this is probably pretty similar for Zelda, but I don't really bring the baggage, good and bad, with me into this game because I don't have enough of an affinity for the characters. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like in other Zeldas, in other Zelda games, we did get more, a little bit more of like a Link backstory. Yeah, and here we got Zelda's backstory, which was really a nice change and a nice addition. I shouldn't say yes. change. It's, it's more it's of an nice addition. addition. It
1: rounds out the whole, um, the whole lore of the, lore. yeah, for, I think yeah. maybe part of why it didn't work for me is like, that wasn't who I was playing. So like right. there was this story that was happening, but it kind of had nothing to do with me because it was all in flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So it's like all I was doing was just like stumbling upon these cutscenes every now and then, and then I would come back into reality. But nothing's changed based upon the story that I've just found out. Right. Like, the story is there. But the story doesn't impact any of the action, really.
0: Right. And if you play the other games, it's almost like you're playing history. Like, you, yeah, these characters, they go beyond time. And you kind of aren't sure like which Zelda is which and which Link is which and like, you know, how they kind of all fit together. But at the same time, all of their stories, like you almost form your own history with the other games altogether. So yep. it feels richer if you've experienced more games. And I'm sure if I did thing if I played things like Twi- oh, Twilight Princess, was that another one? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't play that. Uh, a lot of people really love it. And some of the other games that like kind of fill in other games. Gaps and holes in the story, or or just add to add to the story. Um, I would have even more of a moment with this game, but from what I have, I, I feel pretty rich in in the lore of it anyway. And I really yeah, like the, it.
1: the underlying lore of of the Legend of Zelda is so strange in that it's like these are the same people, but they're not the same people, and they live the same story, but it's not the same story. Yeah, and everyone has <laughs> yeah. the same name. Mm -hmm. it's like it's kind of like if everybody knows the story why is anybody naming their child link shouldn't they all be called link because you want your child (laughs) to be like the 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 hero it's very strange
0: well it's a lot like some of the superhero movies right because it's like you have all these i mean how many spider-man origin things have you seen and they're all like a little bit different but they're kind of the same but i guess it's supposed to be the same
1: but nobody's looking back into the history books and saying oh ye old spider-man oh right, right. Like, so he's true. always just the only spider-man right well yeah. kind of but that's that's the yeah. whole story ah. for another time different <laughs> dimensions different di- maybe that's what this is are just in different dimensions there you go i have no idea if if i have been able to really fully express my love for this game i maybe got a little bit too wrapped up in talking about the story when really i i kind of don't care like i just don't i don't care that it's not completely perfect in that way because i consider the game perfect as a whole i, I this is like my desert island game <laughs> you could give me this game and it's the only game i'm gonna need it's just an infinitely playable like 150 hours i put into this game and i will keep playing it. i will keep coming back to it and having come back to it for for preparing for this show it wasn't a slog for me like it wasn't like oh i gotta Refresh myself. It was like great. I get, I get a reason to go back to the Breath of the Wild. Like I, this game is so wonderful. Like it's just, I can't, I cannot believe it has been made. It's, it's, it's just absolutely <laughs> vast and incredible and alive in, in a way that I haven't really felt with a video game before.
0: I think I would join you on your island and only play Zelda Breath of the Wild for all of time. I'd do that.
1: Maybe the only addition, if we were going to do that, we'd want we'll multiplayer, right? So yeah. we can both just run around the same Hyrule. That's true. And oh, then farming. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Wait, I, I want a the second. happy Hyrule! <laughs> we're just making Stardew Valley now. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll play as Zelda helping to rebuild the kingdom and everything, and you can be Link, the happy farmer. <laughs> we could both
1: retire. So interestingly, the last year has given me two of my favorite games what i consider to be some of my favorite games of all time there is this and there is stardew valley so we are doing a real double feature here (laughs) Mm -hmm. where we next time on the show we get to talk about one of my other favorite video games of all time which is stardew valley